Good evening everyone and welcome to Kabbalah of the Soul, the complete and incomplete Sadiq, part 2. We're in the middle of chapter 10, we're on page 42 of the Tanya, and so far we've discussed how we have the complete Sadiq is one who has, com- who has taken the evil within him and has not gotten rid of it, but rather he has transformed it. The incomplete sa- to good, thank you. The incomplete Sadiq is one who has not transformed the evil to good and it still lingers inside of him. And, you know, when we talk about a Sadiq, there was a, a very respected rabbi who one time was on a journey and he was in the home of this man who showed himself as a tzaddik. You know, the word tzaddik, righteous man, and especially, especially in today's lingo, has zero meaning. Everyone says, oh, he's a tzaddik, you're a tzaddik. He, and we throw, out, we throw out the name lightly. Well, this rabbi was in the home of a man who called himself a tzaddik. And the rabbi was aware of numerous faults. But before I share more about the specifics of the story, the rabbi was a jokester. He would kind of play, play jokes. And he wanted to teach this haughty man a lesson. So one night, he starts taking his knife and he starts sharpening it. And, and this uh, haughty man. He says, what are you doing? He says, well, I'm, I'm going to kill you. Why? He says, well, in this town, unfortunately, there's no righteous people buried here. And we're really looking for someone righteous that could be buried here. We could pray by, pray by his gravesite, you know. So the man says, oh, don't worry. I'm not that righteous. And he start, starts listing all of his faults. You know, he starts doing teshuva. But we, we throw around titles very lightly. And I think it's important, you know, if today I just heard some people watch the presidential debate. It's important when we talk about leaders, the leaders have to be perfect in order for the next level and so to be perfect. Right, luckily today we were looking at a show of two perfect people. So as long as the leaders are perfect, then so as, long as, as long as the leaders are perfect, that automatically will be a replica for us to follow. That's debatable, right? <laughs> I see a lot of prompts on Facebook, but I might have to undo it. Yeah, I was watching the wrong channel. <laughs> Yesterday, it wasn't on Family <laughs> Yesterday, I gave a class. There was a there was a day of education for Portland Jewish educators, and I I gave a class there. But one of the focuses that I shared was, you know, of course. We cannot expect more from our students than we are our, ourselves. We can't demand more. And as long as we're going to portray something appropriate, we can demand, demand that of our students. I'm involved in this, uh, you could call it a group on WhatsApp, if you're familiar with WhatsApp. It's a WhatsApp group for education. And recently a question has come up, how do you educate children to be excited about prayer? Prayer could be boring, it could be monotone. How do you get them excited? And there was only one answer. The only answer is if you're excited. If the teacher is excited, the students will see that. Otherwise, there's, there's not too much hope. So we have, if we have passion, so let's look at what today our job is. We're going to evaluate, talk about what a truly true tzaddik is. 
But before we talk about the true tzaddik, we want to talk about the incomplete tzaddik. And within the incomplete tzaddik, we're going to learn there are thousands of different levels of tzaddikim. Last week we discussed how if you have something non-kosher that mixed into a kosher batch, how much do you need to make it okay to eat? 60. You need 60 times more. Now within that method of, of um, nullification, we're going to learn there's sometimes you need 60 times, sometimes you'll need 1,000 times the item. Within tzaddik and within righteous men, how much evil do they have that is hidden away? Well, some tzaddikim will have 60 times the amount good. Some tzaddikim are so righteous they have 1,000 times that evil, but nonetheless the evil has not been turned to good. So within this level of the incomplete tzaddik, there are thousands of levels. Let's go see this inside, page 42, right column, now. Six lines from the top. Now, this grade, this level of the incomplete tzaddik is subdivided into myriads of degrees, thousands of degrees. In respect, there's two different details that create the thousands of different types of incomplete tzaddikim. Number one is, as we mentioned, how minute is the evil? Number two is, what type of evil exists? Well, remember that there are the four elements. You have water, fire, air, and, dark, and dust, dirt. We discussed how from fire comes haughtiness and anger. From water comes, anyone? Pleasures. Dirt and dust is heavy. Comes depression. And... Words of nothingness and, and scoffing comes from air. It carries nothing to it. Well, which specific level of, of evil still lives, although nullified within the tzaddik? Well, that's one of the questions. So again, there's two questions to the incomplete tzaddik. What type of evil exists? And within that type, how much good, how much more good exists within him? Let's see that back inside. Now, this grade, this incomplete tzaddik is subdivided into myriads of degrees in respect of number one the quality of the minute evil remaining in him from any of the four evil elements how much physically how much is there as well as in relation to how much good exists by reason of its, of its minuteness how minute is this evil relative to the good? Such as, by way of example, 1 in 60, or 1 in 1,000, or 1 in 10,000, and the like. And let's see footnote number 6 together. In halacha, and that's what we discussed, in cases of a mixture of non-kosher elements into a kosher article of human consumption, solids or liquids, the non-kosher element is deemed non-existent if its proportion is less than 1 60th, 1 100th, etc. As the case may, as the case may be, dependent on the specific <coughs> scenario. So, coming back to these tzaddikim, what type of evil exists, how much exists, and how much good relative to that evil exists. Such are the gradations of the numerous righteous men who are to be found in every generation, as mentioned in the Gemara. 
18,000 righteous men stand before the Holy One, blessed is He. So we see we're talking about thousands of tzaddik. And by the way, even thousands, we're saying 18,000. There's still a limit. But what we talk about in every generation, they're being righteous men. So there are thousands. 18,000 is, is a substantial amount. 18,000 people living on earth today that have no ulterior motive in their life other than to fully bring God into this world, period. That, but, evil still lingers within them. It's not active, it's not activated. We gave the example last week of, uh, for the full tzaddik, it would be like the, for, for the incomplete tzaddik, it would be like moldy bread. That the evil still exists, but you're, you're not going to eat it nonetheless. So does, does the proportion mentions in footnote 6, whether it's 160 or 100, what, what determines? I thought it was always 160 or 30. Not at all. There are, there's many, many factors. Just to give you one example, a fascinating example. If the item that fell, if the non-kosher item that fell into the kosher was a flavoring, so, th so then 1 60th won't help because you're still going to taste it. Okay. Just to, so it, one, if you have 1 60th non-kosher in an item that does not automatically make it kosher, it's, a, it's a quite a complex item and uh, there, that there is a reason you learn for the rabbinate. And on the, tom, <laughs> the tom, is it what? The tom? Tom, one reason is if it has taste, another reason... The, yeah, there's many factors. Is it a full item? A barrier? For, to give you an example, if a full uh, spider would fall, fall inside and it's not broken apart, so that would have a special laws, numerous factors, etc. Yeah. Um, okay. So, we have thousands of holy tzaddikim in every generation. Now, we're going to go ahead and talk about the completely righteous. We're going to go to the leaders of the generation. And Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, the author of the Zohar, the author of Kabbalah, he had a student named Rabbi Chia. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai had a few select students. One of them was Rabbi Chia, and following the passing of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, Rabbi Chia wanted to ascend to his teacher. Rabbi Chia learned with Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, he learned Kabbalah with him. He was obviously on an extremely high level, and yet Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai tells him to quote, Which of you, before coming here to my abode in heaven, has converted darkness into light and bitter taste into sweetness. Until you've gone ahead and taken darkness and made it light, bitterness and made it sweet, until you've taken evil, darkness and made it light, bitterness, evil, and don't come here. He's telling his own very, his very own students. Because Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai is, is one of these select few within every generation that was the complete tzaddik. He had taken evil and completely transformed it. And regarding such people, Rabbi Shimon Bar says, there's very few. Let's see this inside. However, with regard to the superior quality of the completely righteous, the tzaddik amor, 
That Rabbi Shimon Bayachai said, I have seen superior men, Bnei Aliyah, and their numbers are few. The completely righteous is only a few in every generation. Every generation has a select few. How many hidden tzaddikim are there in every generation? 36. There's 36 hidden people. You know, when, when Rabbi Shneir Zalman wanted to print the Tanya, he sent one of his chassidim to a certain town and he told him to go to the movie theater. Now we know that the movie theater is not the holiest place. He sent his chassid to go to the movie theater. Who, who is this? Rabbi Shneir Zalman of Liadi, the author of the Tanya we're learning right now. There was no movie theaters. I, I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean a movie theater. I meant, I, sorry, I take it away. He, he sent his student to a theater. Sorry. To, no, no, thank you for correcting me. To a theater, not a correct, not I, a movie. I, I thought it was like the... La, the uh, <laughs> no, no, no. For, no he, sent his, he sent his student to a theater. Okay. And he told his students, when you're there, find Carl, the custodian, and give him this package. Give him a package to give him. So he goes to the theater and he seeks out Carl the chassid, Carl the custodian, and he gives him the package. Carl opens it and he tells the chassid, he says, "Do I need to give this back to you?" He says, "Yes." And he tells him, he says, "In this document that you've given are some of the the most amazing documents in the entire world." Rabbi Shneir Zaman had sent Carl with one of those hidden tzaddikim, the Tanya, to approve of it uh, before it was printed. We have, and I know as a child, I would always look, at, look around and try and guess who is that hidden tzaddik? Who is that hidden, who is that hidden person? You never know. But there's very few in every generation. However, it is with regard to the superior quality of the completely righteous, Rabbi Shimbayachai said, I have seen superior men, Bnei Aliyah, and their numbers are few. There's very few of them. But he called them a very fascinating word. He didn't, he didn't say, I have seen Sadiqim. He said, I have seen Bnei Aliyah in every generation. What does Bnei Aliyah mean? The ascended people. Very good. Going up. Aliyah is going up. Aliyah means to get an Aliyah la Torah. Bnei Aliyah, Bnei is a child, a man, a man of ascent. What is, why do you use such fascinating words, man of ascent? And we're going to give two reasons. And this is going to describe the ultimate tzaddik. And we're going to leave this class with the understanding of what the ultimate tzaddik is. The ultimate tzaddik is a Bnei Aliyah. He is someone who, he takes whatever he's dealing with and he elevates it. He takes the evil, the, the lowest level, and he's going to elevate it. That's in the negative, where he's taking, the positive is going to be that he does everything in his life for the sake of Hashem. It's also an allusion to the Song of Ascents. Fair enough, Shir HaMalo, thank you. So the Bnei Aliyah, again, they go ahead and they elevate everything, men of ascent, and also they do everything, Bnei Aliyah, they do everything for Aliyah, for what's on high, for Hashem on high. And we're going to conclude the chapter saying how these two ideas of elevating everything and doing everything for Hashem is really one and the same. Are there any questions? Let's see this inside. 
the reason for their title of superior men, and in footnote number nine, we say literally men of ascent. B'nai Aliyah, why are they called men of ascent? Is that they convert evil and make it ascent to holiness. They take evil and they, they elevate it to holiness, as is written in the Zohar. In the introduction, in the introduction of the Zohar, it is written that when Rabbi Chia wished to ascend to the Heichel heavenly shrine of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, one of his closest students, wants to elevate himself and come connect with Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai in heaven. And all of a sudden, in heaven, a voice comes out and says, which of you before coming here has converted darkness into light and bitter taste into sweetness? Otherwise, do not approach here. And so forth. Don't approach here until then. So these Sadiqim, they're on a much higher level. They're on a level where they've completely transformed the evil. Now, I'd like to ask you, and Lottie, maybe you could help us. What does it mean to elevate yourself in heaven. Heaven doesn't have place. So, and this is a general question. We learn that three times a day those that have passed on could elevate themselves. We learn that souls are constantly being elevated, but he heaven has no place. Heaven is not physical. So what does it mean to elevate yourself in heaven? What, what does that mean? What do you think? I, uh, I did take it more literally that there are troubles in, in heaven and that um, mitzvahs um, down on earth can elevate an ashama to a higher place. So it means a, so it means a physical place? No, spiritual height. Different spiritual levels. Ah, no, so could you maybe clarify? So, or could anyone share? What does it mean to go to a, spirit, a, a greater spiritual level in heaven? Closer to Shashkina. But, but there's no place. But it's, it's, it's all around this, but it's, it's still ascension, is still. I mean, are we talking about the, the Yaakov, ladders, ladder of Yaakov ascension? Or? No, but whatever level you're talking, how do we say that you're elevating yourself closer to God if there's no physical place? What, what does that elevation mean? Us. So what it, what it means is. That basically, we are all wearing um, clothing that separates us from God. <laughs> there are certain things in our life that create separations. So when we say to elevate ourselves in heaven, well, Rabbi Chia, when he wanted to elevate himself to the shrine of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, essentially, he wanted to say that his soul is right now a vessel and is capable of accepting that great energy that Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai gives out. And Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai said, you're not ready for that. Your soul is not right now a receptacle for that energy that I'm giving out. We're not on the same level. I may have been your teacher. But in the, based on what we're learning now, the tzaddikam, or the, the complete and incomplete tzaddik, are not on the same level. They're, levels, they're very far apart. What does that mean? Was, was Rabbi, is this implied that Rabbi 
be a, a still in his physical body and living? Yes. It, it, it appears that at this time he was still living. And then Rabbi Torio uh, Chai yeah. was, was... Had passed on. Passed on. Right, right, right. And this is something that we, we find, that the soul of a living person can elevate itself to uh, ascend on high. We have numerous... Um, circumstances that we're familiar with of while such happen while, while still alive. Yeah, you may have, you may if, if a human would look at them, they would look unconscious at that moment often. Um, yeah, but they would, or they they wouldn't be so sane if you would talk to them. They wouldn't be able to respond back. And in some circumstances, that that have been related back to us. Wouldn't the tzaddik? And I, I don't know anything about the attributes of the tzaddik. Wouldn't a tzaddik not try to do something like that? Why? You're saying a tzaddik should not try and elevate himself. Well, because that, that's, that almost seems like a some kind of selfish pleasure, even though it's not worldly. It seems like what, what, is, what is the point of, of doing it? What about if he has a, a specific question that he feels only Rabbi Shimon by Yochai could answer. Or there's other stories we're familiar with where there was terrible decrees going on on earth. And the rabbis living at the time felt that they needed to elevate themselves to, be, to make a certain request. Um, so we, we have certain numerous stories that have been passed down generation to generation of such a happenings. Yeah, but th that's a good question. But it, it actually could be for uh, an altruistic Absol Absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely. So we've discussed what it means to be men of ascent regarding the, regarding the level of taking evil and elevating it. But now we're going to learn a further explanation of the title B'nai Aliyah when we say that it's Sadiq, a righteous man, on page 44, right, right column. When we say that at Sadiq, Amr, a completely righteous man, is a, a B'nai Aliyah, a further explanation of the title superior men is that their service in the category of Asei Taiv. We learn that there's two methods of relation to God. There's Sor Meirah Tov. Keeping away from evil and doing good. So the Tzaddik, when we say he keeps away from evil, we said for B'nai Aliyah means to completely elevate the evil. In the level of Asei Tov, of doing good, of actually do, fulfilling Torah and Mitzvot, what does the Tzaddik or the complete Tzaddik do? is that their service in the category of Asei Tov, do good, in the fulfillment of the Torah and its commandments, is for the sake of the above. B'nai, men of Aliyah, men of ascent, men that are doing everything for what's on high. The ultimate of the highest degrees. These Sadiqim are doing everything for the highest level, and not merrily in order to attach themselves to God so as to quench the thirst of their own soul which thirsts for God as it is written ho all who thirst go to water as is explained elsewhere you know there's two there's many reasons why people learn Torah in some yeshivos if you go they'll say learn Torah so that you'll become a gadol hador a respected person that's a very common, common discussion. Yet, if you learn Torah in order 
to become a gadol hador, in order to become a, a man of great stature, then you're not learning Torah for Hashem. You're learning Torah for yourself. The ultimate level of the, the tzaddik is learning Torah not because he wants to learn Torah, not because of, we'll learn Gemara, we'll, you, you could ask David here. He'll learn Gemara and he'll get excited about it. He'll have a good question and he'll enjoy it. But to learn Gemara, only to learn Gemara because we enjoy it, that's not the complete tzaddik. The complete tzaddik is learning Gemara, whatever he's learning, because that's what Hashem wants. Hashem says in the Torah, "Vishinantam levanecha v'dibar tavam." I'm glad you said that. I was worried there for a minute. <laughs> so rather, the complete tzaddik does not learn in order to quench the thirst of their own soul, something with an ulterior motive. Rather, their service is as explained in Tikkune Zohar. The Zohar tells us, "Ezehu chasid." Who is a chasid? We're going to play around with the words now. The Zohar says, let's look in footnote number 12. They try, and, they try and write it out clearly. This homily is based on a, pl on a play on the words Kono and Chasid. The text reads, Ezehu Chasid, Hamishaseidim Kono, Imkan Dilei, the Zohar tells us like this. It says, the word Kono could mean, it's an island in Hawaii, right? But Kono could mean master. But Kono could also mean a Khan is a nest. A bird's nest. King. Shiluach HaKan. Chasid could be a pious man, it could also mean chesed, to do kindness. So, Eizahu chasid, the Kabbalah tells us, Tikkun Ezorah tells us, who is a righteous man? So let's play around with the word chasid now. Hamis chasid, someone who does kindness, in kono with his master, his creator. Well, let's play around with the word creator now. Creator could mean creator, or it could mean nest. <clears throat> so who is a chassid? Someone who does kindness for his creator. You're able to do kindness for Hashem. What does it mean to do something kind for Hashem? Let's eat inside. Rather, their service is the service of the complete tzaddik is as explained in Tikkun Zohar. Who is kind? He who conducts himself with benevolence towards his creator, toward his nest. Someone who goes ahead and is acting kind towards Hashem, uniting the Holy One, blessed is He, and His Shekhinah within those who dwell in the nethermost worlds. So our job in this world, if we want to be a chassid, if we want to be a righteous man, a, a, a pious man, we have to go ahead and do kindness and bring God into this world. Can I ask a question about the previous, uh, previous situation? Please. Uh, so uh, the difference, uh, those who thirst, those who thirst, like they're going to water, 
as opposed to, um, or, I'm sorry, yeah, I'm trying to find it right now. Thirst for their own soul versus versus uh, your learning for for the sake of Hashem. Yeah. Uh, for a true tzaddik, though, I mean, to, to, to truly do this for Hashem, wouldn't, isn't, it, isn't it actually, aren't you actually performing both? I mean, because I mean, that's that's what you that's what you've shaped. That's how you've shaped your yourself. You've shaped yourself. You've shaped your purpose in life for this. So, if you're doing this for the sake of Hashem, you're also doing this for your own sake because this is how you've made yourself. It's for that purpose of Hashem. The, I'm not fully understanding. The tzaddik does it for Hashem. Not for his own pleasure. Does he have pleasure because he's doing it for Hashem? Yes. Just like a servant, that when his master, when he makes a delicious breakfast and his master is happy, he's happy. Okay. But he's happy because of his master's happiness. Okay. I mean, maybe it's just semantical, but uh, at that point, I mean, the true tzaddik haven't they shaped themselves so that that's what their pleasure is? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And they'll, they'll have tremendous pleasure. We've discussed the true tzaddik is someone who has ava betanugim. The, the true tzaddik is, is having, in his own world, he's having a beautiful life. He has, he has taken his life. Some, remember, the true tzaddik, he trusts in Hashem. He knows everything Hashem does is for the good, whether, whether physically good or bad. Basically, he has no worries. The true tzaddik is living the life. It's a great life if we're able to achieve such trust and connection with Hashem. Absolutely. But also, isn't a true Sadiq not somebody that like consciously makes the decision to be a Sadiq? I don't understand. Like it's not somebody that wakes up every day to say, okay, I'm doing this to be a Sadiq. Correct. If you're fighting... Yes, yes. If the tzaddik has to fight, then he's not a tzaddik. He's a bainani. He's an intermediate. And we'll discuss that, yes. So in the makeup of the Tanya, we're going to discuss the tzaddik, the righteous man. So he's not doing it for himself because it's not Couldn't he be an incomplete tzaddik? Right. It's not like a conscious decision. The incomplete tzaddik, as we mentioned last week, doesn't even know bad exists within him. Because the bad is like the non-kosher food that is nullified. Yeah. So the, the tzaddik is someone who is completely righteous and he's only doing good and you would never know looking at him that evil exists within him. And that's what we explained. The only way to know whether the incomplete tzaddik has transformed the evil is by one way and one way only. Not because you'll ever see, see him doing anything bad. No. You'll never see him doing anything bad. The only way to know if the incomplete tzaddik has transformed the evil is by seeing how much he loves Hashem. And how much he hates evil. That's the only way. Because again, you'll never see him do any evil. Because if he does evil, he's not a tzaddik anymore. There's a practical application I've gleaned from this from my readings. In that, in the prayer book, which is unique to us, it specifically mentions the unity of these two spheres. Ah. Ah. And um, it uh, also deals with the Kabbalistic principle that... Um, uh, we deal in these terms with the unity of the 
male force of the Shekhinah and the female. Oh, you have to give me a moment. We're going to get there momentarily. Okay. You're going to. You're good. 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 Thank you. So two things. First of all, David did go ahead and share some other stuff. That's what. David did go ahead and share well that before Baruch Shamar we raise our two tits together and we say Lishem Yichud Kuchav Rihu. We say we're doing this for the sake of unifying God and His Shechina, God and His holy presence. So yes. I, we all are, not only the tzaddik, we're all here on a task to bring God down into this world. But the tzaddik gummer, the, the, the tzaddik gummer, the completely righteous tzaddik, he goes ahead and the only reason he does it is because that's what Hashem wants, not because it's a, his own pleasure. I, wanna, I do need to insert right here, if you do something, if you learn Gemara because you enjoy it, that's fantastic. Learn Gemara because you enjoy it. You know, the Gemara says, do something for, because you want to, it will lead you to do it for Hashem. Quote from the Gemara, By doing something because you love it, you'll come to do it because Hashem loves it. So allow yourselves. Don't worry. Don't say, oh, if I have pleasure in learning Gemara, I won't learn it. No, no, learn it. And slowly, you'll grow into the next phase of doing it because this is what Hashem shares with us. And the, the Zohar now gives us an example. The example is, a similar example to what we mentioned a few weeks ago in the Mimer of Anila Dodi, we discussed the altruistic son. What is an altruistic son? What is the ultimate son? The ultimate son, let's read it inside, is the Tzadik Gamor is like the ultimate son. As also explained, we're in the left-hand column of page 44. Midway down the column, as also explained in Raya Mehemnon Parshas Titzave, the Raya Mehemna Book of Kabbalah. On the Torah portion of Titzavah says, in the manner of a son who ingratiates himself with his father and mother, whom he loves more than his own body and soul, and is prepared to sacrifice his own life for them to redeem them, as is explained elsewhere. And let's look at footnote number 15. The absolute altruistic worshipper is not motivated by a desire to save his soul or to gratify its longing for unity with Hashem, but by pure love and a desire to please Hashem and make His presence felt everywhere. The, the ultimate chassid, the ultimate person serving Hashem is one that is doing it because this is what Hashem wants. Period. This is also important, if I may presume, Rebbe, why there is no monastic tradition in Judaism. It doesn't do any good to go sit in the cave and contemplate your navel. Get out there and do something. Fair enough. Fair enough. So we need to go ahead and try and strive to do things because this is what Hashem says. And until we get there, unfortunately, we're lacking in a basic principle of Judaism, and that is Mesiras Nefesh. Are we willing to give our, up our lives for Hashem? You know, we, we are blessed today to live in a world that is relative to what the world used to be, much more peaceful. And thank God, often we're not challenged with the threat of life and death. But, Many have before us have been. The greatest, someone who was murdered for Hashem, is called a Kadosh, a holy man. No matter what happened during their lifetime, they were murdered for the sake of Hashem, they're called a martyr, 
a holy man. And Rabbi Akiva, his whole life, he strives. He said, Hashem, please allow me to be a martyr. Rabbi Yosef Cairo, author of the Shulchan Aruch, he begged Hashem, he said, Hashem, please allow me to be a martyr. And you know what? Hashem punished him for a small incident and he would not allow him to be a martyr. He said, no, you're not deserving of that level. Fascinating to note, when did he write the Shulchan Aruch, the Code of Jewish Law? Only after this punishment. So some punishment it was. If, if he had been murdered, we wouldn't have the Shulchan Aruch from Rabbi Yosef Cairo. But nonetheless, it was still considered, relative to his tremendous accomplishment of writing the Shulchan Aruch, a greater accomplishment in elevation of his soul would have been to be someone who was dead, who had dedicated and given up his life for Hashem. But what I wanted to share with you is, comes Yom Kippur, there is one moment in time where if we go ahead and we have the proper energy and feeling, we will have credit as if we gave up our lives. Does anyone know where that moment is? It's a moment in time on Yom Kippur. It is the moment by Ne'ilah, as the close of Yom Kippur, when we scream the words, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. Are you familiar? Right at the close of Ne'ilah, we say Shema once. We say the words Baruch, Shem, Kivod, Malchusol, Olam, three times. And then we conclude seven times, Hashem, Hu Elokim. If you look in your Machzor, it says in small words, to try and focus. And imagine as if at that moment you're giving up your life for the sake of Hashem. And by doing so, it should be merited as if we did it, first of all, and we should never, God forbid, be put in that circumstance. And also, it's as if we've had that opportunity. It is something special. But, the reason I bring this up here is because how are you going to have the ability to allow, no matter what happens, to dedicate your life to Hashem? Is only if you're serving Hashem out of love and not out of self-love. If you're learning Torah out of self-love, well, then, then the second something gets into that way, you're not going to give up your life for it. To give up your life, it has to be if you love Hashem, not self-love. So the defining character is often, you'll see oftentimes we're going to say, how do you define a person's connection to Hashem? Is his mesirut nefesh. How much is he willing to put himself on the line? How dedicated is he to this task? And I, I want to conclude with this last, these brackets towards the end of chapter 10 which will put together the two understandings we had of B'nai Aliyah, men of ascent. Again, we've said that men of ascent is one, they, they have everything ascent, evil ascent, and second of all, the fact that they do everything for the one that is on high Hashem. And it's really one big thing. Why is it one big thing? And this is what David started sharing and I had to cut him off. He was stealing my thunder. We said, just kidding, we said that a met that in terms of Kabbalah, so we oftentimes will use the metaphor of man and woman. Man is called man is is a rep, is a representation of giving energy. Woman is a is a representation of receiving energy. In our relationship to Hashem, Hashem is the man. He gives us energy. We are all the woman. We receive that energy. So when we're going to learn now this next paragraph, let's bear in mind that when we're going to say that feminine waters and masculine waters, feminine waters is a, is a representation of our Torah mitzvot, masculine waters is a representation of Hashem's energy coming onto us. When we do Torah and mitzvot, we're elevating feminine waters. When we do Torah and mitzvot, 
we are causing on high a supernal unification. We're causing on high by us, our feminine waters, by our feminine elevation, by us coming and approaching Hashem and making that first contact, we're causing an elevation on high. And every elevation on high has a trickle down everywhere. So every time we do something, it trickles down energy. So now we put both things together. We said the ultimate, the complete tzaddik, he elevates the evil, and that automatically is going to bring down a trickle of energy from on high. So both the idea of, of the, the first idea of the complete tzaddik, elevating evil, and the second idea of the complete tzaddik, doing everything for Hashem to make this world a dwelling place is one. How do we make this world a dwelling place? By elevating evil. Let's see that inside and then we'll wrap it up and take questions. Let's see it together. And both interpretations of B'nai Ali, of men of ascent, supernal men, are complementary. For through acts of refinement of the good out of the Noga, through refining the good out of what exists in this world, even what may appear evil, one elevates the feminine waters. That means we, the, the female, have made an elevation, which then causes supernal unions. Every time we do Torah and Mitzvot, we're causing on high something very special. And that brings down the masculine waters. Which, what are the masculine waters? They are the flow of divine kindness contained in each of the 248 positive precepts, positive commandments, all of which are in the nature of kindness and masculine waters. So every time we do a mitzvah, we are drawing down, every time we have, done, we have elevated the feminine waters, we're doing a mitzvah, we're, we're going to draw down the masculine waters, we're going to draw down Hashem's energy. That is to say the flow of holiness of His godliness, blessed be He, from above downward to be closed in those who live in the lower worlds as explained elsewhere. So let's summarize chapter 10. In chapter 10 we've said there is the incomplete tzaddik and the complete tzaddik. They both will not do anything evil. When you look at them you probably will not see such a difference between them. They both are doing everything correct. When they wake up in the morning as the example was said earlier they're not challenged. They're not challenged what they're going to do. The question is, do they have within them evil that is there but is nullified? Or have they elevated the complete evil within them? We've said the incomplete tzaddik, there are thousands of them. The complete tzaddik, there are just a handful in every, in a handful in every generation. And we've said the definition of the complete tzaddik is b'nei aliyah. They want to go ahead, they elevate the evil and do everything for, the reason, for, the, for Hashem. You know, just to wrap up, I know we've mentioned that there's feminine waters, masculine waters. So it is important to mention that it says when Mashiach comes, what's the quote? When Mashiach comes, it says, Aishas, today, today in the, the, in the relationship of man and woman, so the Torah says that within the relationship, the woman should, res should respect the man in many, many ways. Of course, man and woman have to respect each other, but the relationship is basically dominated by the man in certain areas. But the Torah says, when Mashiach comes, Aishas Chayla Teres Baila, it's actually going to be Aishas Chayla, woman of va valor, a Teres Baila will be the crown, will be the 
perhaps we could use the word dominating factor if, if those words would apply. Interesting to note that, and, and this kind of connects with our relationship to our... No, that's not what it's saying. It's saying actually the woman will be greater in many more ways when Mashiach comes. <laughs> so men and women will never be equal. Not now and now when Mashiach comes, just to clarify. <laughs> um, are there any questions? One thought that came up to me. Please. Um, I remember when I was um, coming back to reading more Torah, and um, it struck me that, wait a minute, like Adam, there was something about reading about Adam that he, like, that made me think that he could have both feminine and, and male quality. And my friend's like, well, she said, I think Adam was capable of giving birth. Like, he had both, but he still needed that partner. So when you say like it wouldn't be equal, and if we go back and back, I'm I'm not going to say it's going to be equal, but I'm just thinking I I go back thinking in time that maybe there was some kind of quality that was not exactly equal, but capable capabilities were possibilities of having more capabilities for a man. Men and women are equal, but not the same. I think it's very yes, important. That's a very fair you know, statement. Thank men you. and women are equal but not the same. Just to clarify, regarding Adam and Eve, what you learned is, regarding Adam, what you learned was, Adam was created a man and a woman together. And uh, when God did that operation, he actually separated the woman from within him. Yeah. Um, are there any other questions? Expression, the expression elevating the evil seems Elevating the evil, I'd like to share with you the story of Reish Lakesh. I'm gonna, I want to share with you because this is awesome. I shared it yesterday and I just do want to share Reish Lakesh was a bandit. What does it mean to be a gladiator? Gladiator. Gladiator. What, what does that mean? He was a gladiator. He was a professional competitive fighter. Uh, of the Romans and trained to fight for the entertainment. A pre professional fighter. Okay. That was Reish Lakesh. Who? Reish Lakesh. A big, at, at, at the time of this conversation we're discussing, he was a big sinner. A story happened, a crazy story where um, basically he, he wanted, he saw someone else that was going to commit a big sin. They controlled themselves. A, a whole story. But I want to skip ahead. He ended up doing Teshuvah, and today he is one of the strongest authors of the Gemara. So that is turning, taking evil. He took his energy that from evil and made it good. We're able to take evil and make it good. Now we learned transformative. We did learn earlier that there are there's some evil which cannot be transformed, and we're not taking that back. The evil that is evil and cannot be transformed, of course. But we're saying there's a lot of evil that does have the ability to be transformed. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, what was his name again? Raish Lakesh. He pops up all the time in the Gomorrah. Mm -hmm. He was the no, son-in-law of uh, Judah Hanasi? I don't recall. Rish. He was the son-in-law of another major Talmudic sage. Oh, I would say no way. I can't think of which one right now. Uh, there's an implication here that I wanted to see if it's correct. Um, based on what you said earlier about the, the complete Sadiq has taken his evil, converted it to good, um, and based on what uh, I said, asking the students which of you have done this, uh, that almost implies that um, 
even the complete sodic, the 32 complete sodics, they started as incomplete sodics, and they had to do this transition where they converted before they became complete sodics. Is that, is that I, I, a, a fantastic question? You're not born Are you born at sodic or not? Very good question. And the answer is that you're born with the ability to be a tzaddik. So We're going to discuss potential. that. So there's 32 people who have the potential. Oh, I don't know how many. Over here we haven't listed how many. Okay. We said there's 32 hidden tzaddikim. Okay. But uh, regarding the <coughs> amount that there is, I don't know. I'm not familiar. I wish I was. But uh, um, we will learn later on that... That every soul is born with a task. And we should not all try and be a tzaddik. Because some of us cannot be. Not only some of us, most of us cannot be. Most of us do not even have the ability to be a tzaddik. We try as hard as we can. The ultimate level that the majority of us can be is the intermediate. We can constantly fight. We all have the ability to win the fight. That means if we're going to see something inappropriate, we may for a second get caught up with it. Our mind may wander, but we have the ability to regroup. A tzaddik, he, his mind won't get lost to that. And that's not within the ability of all of us. And the purpose of the Tanya, as it says in the very beginning. That's right. It's, it's, that's right. This, the Tanya is called the Book of the Intermediates. And so let's just put, let's put where we are in the context of the Tanya. We've discussed the soul map earlier. Now we're going to discuss the tzaddik, which we just finished. The next chapter, we're going to discuss the Russia, which is very fascinating also. Understand the, the complete yeah, and incomplete Russia. <laughs> I wish. And then in chapter 12, we're going to get to the intermediates, the, the Bainani. When is the next class ah, going to be? 